The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode... You know, I, th- I think maybe the worst thing about being diagnosed with diabetes is it happens when you're not ready for it to happen. There are going to be things that could distract you from your diabetes and make you not really want to give it the attention it deserves. But if you do give it as much attention as it needs, then that is actually what allows you to do everything else that you want to do and to live a life outside of diabetes. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. How's it going? Welcome back to the Insulone podcast, Redefining Diabetes, with myself, Owen, I obviously don't need to, need to introduce myself. You already know who it is. But I hope you're keeping well. I hope you're having a good week. And I hope those blood sugars are being kept stable. You are going to love the guest that I have on today. I really, really enjoyed this podcast. Really enjoyed recording it. And the guest that I have is Maya Kearney. She is from the UK. And she was diagnosed only last year. And it wasn't a typical diagnosis because... She was diagnosed with COVID-19 at the same time. And as you can imagine, during a global pandemic, being diagnosed with the virus itself, dealing with all of that, and then on top of that, dealing with a diagnosis of type 1 diabetes certainly brings its own complications, to say the least. But how Maya has dealt with it, how she continues to deal with it, is incredibly inspiring she talks so confidently about her diabetes she knows so much about her diabetes and has such a solid grasp so early on so i'll stop talking now and you can listen to maya enjoy when i got diagnosed i just graduated um no i hadn't just graduated i was just about to graduate but i was working from home like in newcastle And then I ended up having to go to London to do my internship. And then I ended up having to go back home after that and then move to London. So I've just been like up and down between the two places since getting diagnosed. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, I suppose any diagnosis story is, is going to be an interesting one, but you 
have you seem to have had <laughs> even more of a tricky one because you obviously were diagnosed during the whole pandemic, but you got COVID before you were diagnosed, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was a really weird um, experience. So what happened? I mean, this this story kind of starts um, in early March last year when. I think at that point in time, um, people in the UK, they were starting to realize, okay, COVID might actually be quite serious. Like <laughs> this might actually have um, like some really serious consequences. And we hadn't had the first lockdown yet, but people were starting to think, why, why is nothing happening? Why aren't places locking down? You know, Europe, things were kicking off there and we were just we're starting to question things. And I got COVID basically then. So when when everyone was starting to think, okay, this this might be serious, that's when I got COVID. Um, <laughs> and my mindset was very much, okay, I'm very young, I'm very healthy, this isn't going to be a big deal. You know, it's a shame I've got it. But hopefully, now that I have it, I can just go through it and then I don't have to worry about it afterwards and you know I couldn't have been more <laughs> I couldn't have been more wrong yeah so I had I had COVID and my symptoms uh they were just a lot more severe than I thought they would be my boyfriend had COVID at the same time and his symptoms were quite quite light you know he had shortness of breath he had a cough but overall he could function and for me I just I had all the symptoms in the book basically. I was in almost this alternate reality it felt like because my symptoms were just so bad and one of the things it does is it almost changes your perception of reality sometimes not in a scary way but just it distorts kind of like when you have really bad covid it can sometimes distort how you perceive time and things like that. So it was just a really weird experience. Um, and there was one night that my symptoms got so bad that I had, you know, my boyfriend had to call an ambulance. <laughs> yeah, and it was it was quite strange actually because when we phoned for the ambulance, you know, um, they asked, are you having COVID symptoms? And we said, yes. And they said, uh, you know, well, how old are you? Do you have any pre-existing health conditions? And I said, I'm 21. And no, I don't. And they said, well, you know, you'll probably be fine. Um, keep an eye on your symptoms and, you know, we'll send an ambulance. But it, you know, I wasn't high on the priority list, understandably so. But because I was a young, healthy person, I just wasn't high on the priority list. So we, you know, we waited about four hours and it still hadn't come because no one knew that I had diabetes, including myself. <laughs> so no one was thinking, okay, we need to, we need to help sort this out. So yeah, it was just, it was just quite interesting having, having all that happen and not understanding why necessarily. And, you know, me, myself, I was thinking, um, maybe this is just what COVID feels like. Maybe maybe this isn't actually serious, but it just feels worse than it is. Yeah, so it was, it was quite weird. 
you were diagnosed with COVID thinking that you were a fit, young, healthy person that would, wouldn't really see any severe symptoms. And are you saying that you're, you feel as if your symptoms were that bad because you were in the middle of being diagnosed with diabetes, but you just hadn't been officially diagnosed yet? I think so, yes. So um, looking back, a lot of my diabetes symptoms started when I had COVID, um, you know, going to the toilet lots. And the fatigue, again, can be a symptom of COVID and it can be a symptom of diabetes, so it's hard to tell. But some of the symptoms never really went away after I stopped having COVID. And the other thing, actually, I was never officially diagnosed or tested for COVID because they weren't testing people without pre-existing health conditions at that point in time. But I know for certain that it was COVID because I had basically every single symptom <laughs> of COVID and it was happening um, It was happening at the time that the number of COVID cases, especially in London, which is where I was at the time, was very high. And I just, I can't think of another possible explanation for, for what was happening. Um, so, I, you know, I'm 100% sure it was COVID, but I was never officially, uh, officially tested or diagnosed. But yeah, my diabetes symptoms started during that time. I put that down to COVID. Um, they never really went away. And if anything, they got worse. And I didn't think of it as like as a result of that I didn't think of it as a new thing so I thought maybe I had some sort of long COVID I guess is what it would be called now I thought that these were just after effects of having COVID especially because I had it quite bad so you know it didn't occur to me that that something else might be wrong <laughs> I just mm. thought okay you know, maybe COVID is worse than people think it is, or maybe it's more long lasting than people think it is. And, um, and I've been unlucky. So how long was this going on for then, Maya, from the time that you experienced your first symptom of COVID to the time during that day where you were, you were really bad and you had to call an ambulance? How, how long was that? Was that period? So that was about six days so I was I I had my first COVID symptom like a light cough um mid-March and six days later or mid to early March and six days later um was when we called the ambulance and that was probably that was the worst it got so the way COVID works usually is I think it comes in waves so you get worse then you get better then you get worse and you get better so, you know, after the ambulance was called and then ultimately we ended up cancelling it because I did start to get better on my own. You know, there were times after that that I still did get really bad, but never quite as bad as that moment in time. <laughs> so, and it was an upward trajectory in terms of the COVID symptoms definitely since that point in time. But coexisting with that was the diabetes symptoms that, and maybe, maybe I just noticed them a bit earlier because of the COVID and because of the interaction between the two. Um, but the diabetes symptoms, they kind of got gradually worse over time. Like they crept up on me. 
such that I didn't really notice them getting worse. So with the COVID symptoms, you cancelled the ambulance because you were you kind of felt as if you were coming around and you're like, ah, I, I don't need the ambulance, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then, as you say, the diabetes symptoms seemed to get worse. So then how long was it from the day that you cancelled, you called and cancelled the ambulance mm. to going into hospital again or then officially being di- diagnosed with diabetes after you felt things just still weren't right? So it, it actually took quite a long time. Like I know from listening to your podcast that a lot of people, their symptoms come on very rapidly. For me, it was quite different. For me, they kind of crept up on me. And over the course of a month, they gradually got worse. But there was there was actually never a point in time where there was never really a point in time that I was dangerously ill with diabetes in the way I was with COVID I actually ended up going into the hospital for something else it was some sort of infection I can't even remember what it was but it was at the hospital that they did a routine urine test for for my sugar levels and that's how the diabetes got picked up so you know I was going you know this whole time I had elevated blood sugar levels and I just didn't realize so that that's I, I mentioned that just to give you an idea of, of how different it was for me compared to the average case of diabetes. And with that, it took maybe a month and a half of having these symptoms to, uh, you know, of having the ambulance called with COVID, having these symptoms getting gradually worse, and then going into the hospital for something completely different and the diabetes being picked up. So you you obviously hadn't even considered the word diabetes up to this point because from what I'm getting is you had a pretty bad case of COVID. It seemed as if you were kind of getting better coming around and then almost like that long COVID where you're, you just couldn't shake it off. But it was actually your diabetes symptoms. <laughs> Exactly. And yeah, as you said, I hadn't even considered diabetes. I didn't know anything about the condition. Um, I'd had a friend when I was maybe 14. I had a friend, uh, a close friend with type 1 diabetes, but they were very private with their condition. Um, And I really had no idea how serious it was. So it was funny because when <laughs> when I was diagnosed with diabetes and I finally had an explanation for the way I'd been feeling, which, you know, previously I'd attributed to COVID and maybe some sort of long COVID. I was actually really happy and relieved because in my eyes, diabetes, you know, in my eyes at the time, diabetes was a manageable condition. It was something that people live with and they cope with. Whereas the prospect of having something like long COVID that people and doctors do not know anything about was incredibly scary. So I was really, really happy, to be honest, when I was diagnosed with diabetes because it felt much less scary and much less, um, you know, like something I'd at least heard of Mm. um, and something doctors had at least heard of. Obviously, now I realise that maybe that was 
a bit too optimistic. Maybe I hadn't. <laughs> maybe I hadn't considered the, the severity of diabetes, but that was the mind frame I was in at the time. Yeah, well, it seems as if it was almost like a solid sense of relief, kind of like, oh, thankfully I don't have this kind of unknown, unpredictable long COVID. Yeah, and as you say, it is something that doctors know about, which is type one. It is manageable, and you're obviously managing it well so far. But what I'm thinking about is, and what I'd love to hear more about is, we were diagnosed at pretty similar ages. I was 19, you were mm. you were 21. But obviously the difference between those was the fact that I wasn't diagnosed during a pandemic. So when I was diagnosed, I could spend a few nights in the hospital. I could get my crash course in diabetes management. Friends and family could come in to see me but you didn't have any of that. So what was your experience after being told that you had diabetes? Did you spend time at the hospital? Did you go straight home? Did you get that sort of crash course in, in your management? Yeah, so it was very, very, very different. Um, understandably so, but it, it, it was very different. Um, yeah, so what happened? I was in the hospital for something, something else, uh, just as an outpatient visit. They did the urine test and then that prompted them to do a blood test. I went home and got woken up with the results the next day and they told me to come into the hospital. As I said, as, as I said before, I had, I had no idea how serious diabetes was. So I wasn't, I was surprised at how serious, how seriously they were treating it. Um, you know, they told me, Usually we would have you in for a few days at the hospital, but, um, you know, because of everything that's happening, we won't. Um, but I did go in there with my mom. They gave me an overview of diabetes. Um, they told me, you know, they showed me how to test my blood sugars. They showed me how to uh, inject myself. They told me a little bit about some of the complications and how to keep an eye on them. And um, they mentioned Bertie and Daphne courses and they, you know, they said that it's definitely worth trying to look into them at the right time. And then after that, I was, you know, I was on my way. <laughs> so it was all in the space of an hour. I had all this information in the space of an hour. It was impossible to retain it all. But luckily for me, my mum was there with me. So she actually did an amazing job of remembering everything and relaying it to my dad, relaying it to, to me, because I'd forgotten a lot of it and just keeping an eye on me and making sure I was okay. But yeah, I didn't have any time in the hospital in terms of overnight stays. They were very hands-on in terms of phoning me. So they phoned me every day just to ask me what my what my readings were and they gave me tips and advice in terms of changes I should make to to my insulin dosage and things like that but yeah I had I had no time in the hospital or crash course or anything like that yeah it's insane to hear that because when I was diagnosed I was I think I was in hospital for like three nights three whole mm -hmm. nights and three or four days and even then when I left and I got home I was kind of like 
what what's go, what's going on here like what do i actually need to do there's there's so much to take on board and it's good that you said you kind of went in with your mother and she was there to relay the the information back to you and anything you had missed she was obviously keeping track of but what were you thinking when you first got home like when the dust kind of settled on it you'd got home from the hospital you have your insulin pens you have your blood glucose monitors what's going through your head then Honestly, I wasn't thinking. I think it was such a big thing that my brain maybe just went, no, we're not thinking about that. And it sounds strange to say, but I just got on with it. <laughs> like I just I just tested myself, gave myself the injections, and I just didn't really think twice about it. I think because it was just too much to think about all in one go. I was I remember being slightly surprised not surprised, but slightly taken aback at just how seriously everyone else was treating it and how I think worried about me everyone was. You know, I could see how much my dad cared about me and how how worried he was for me. And, you know, my mum, when she was relaying the information to my dad, she was very clear, you know, this isn't Maya's fault. Nothing, there's nothing she could have done to prevent this. This is just something that happened. And this is what it means for her going forward. And my mum was so understanding and empathetic towards me. And, you know, she was having the reaction to the diagnosis. And I wasn't really having that reaction. I was just, um, I wasn't processing it really. Uh, but in a good way, almost, because it is a lot to process. Mm. And I think it did just allow me to get on with it and to not not dwell on it and not think not think too much about how much my life is going to change I think it was maybe a few weeks afterwards when when I maybe saw how much my life had changed and realizing that it wasn't going to go back I think that's when I started to think okay this is this is quite serious this is very different and you know, <laughs> there's no going back now. There's only going forward, really. But there's no, there's no going back to the way things were. Yeah, and I, I, I fully understand that whole thought process around it because when you are initially diagnosed, it's like <laughs> there's so many different things to try and take on board here and try to process. And it sounds similar to how I was at that time because you almost don't even have time to fully process it all. And it's like, these are just the new things that you have to do. I have to check my blood sugar. I have to take insulin. I have to change different types of food or whatever it may be. And for me, it was like, because there's so many things to change so quickly, I almost didn't have time to think about it. Until, like you said, after the first kind of couple of weeks, when the dust settles on it, friends and family are informed. Everybody said, ah, everything's going to be okay. Everybody's kind of reached out to you. But it is when that dust settles and you're kind of by yourself in a sense for the first time. And I remember having conversations with myself thinking like, why did this happen? What's going to happen? What do I need to do? All these kind of things. Can you remember what some of the first things you had said to yourself when you were kind of by yourself for the first time 
after, as I said, the dust had settled. Sorry, so is that kind of the the way I was thinking about it, um, you know, internally, emotionally, that type yeah. of stuff? Okay, Just yeah. For yourself, I suppose, when <laughs> your parents weren't around as much, obviously they were there for you, but... I suppose when you close your door into your bedroom and you're, it's just you and your diabetes. <laughs> just me and my diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, sure. So, you know, I think, I think the, the, the obvious thing that I said to myself was, oh my God, this is so insert swear word. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, what the heck? But there were there were certain things I said to myself that that were really helpful. You know, it is such a big change, and you are sort of thinking, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to test my blood sugar? Why do I have to inject myself? And why do I have this burden of my health to carry? But then I kind of reframed it, and I thought, you know, every single person on the planet is almost limited. You know, even just on a base level, we all need to eat food to sustain ourselves we all need to drink water and those are the types of things we do without thinking really it's a good idea to exercise and there's so many things as a person already that you have to do to sustain yourself and to stay healthy and just you know not die or have a really serious (laughs) you know (laughs) really serious health emergency and just thinking of diabetes as an extension of that was very helpful to me because it didn't it didn't make me feel like I was different or had a a a worse deal than everyone else. It just made me feel like this is just the way I'm built, and it's just slightly different to everyone else, but everyone is built in a way where they have to you know they have to manage themselves. So that was helpful. And I think also something I t- told myself that that was really helpful was just, you know, you, you can't change this, so there's no point dwelling in it. So, yeah, you know, of course there were moments I got sad. Of course there were – of course it was difficult to ter- come to terms with. But, you know, overwhelmingly I just told myself there's no point getting down about it because – there's literally nothing I can do to change this. The best thing I can do is to just manage it the best I can and make it the most important thing in my life. And all the things I'm worried about, all the facts and figures, health complications, whatever, they will all be lessened if I just persevere, put the diabetes management first and just, you know, move on. <laughs> yeah, this, is what's, this is my life now. Just, okay that's fine just move on (laughs) Mm. I love that though and it's it's so nice to hear that from somebody who has almost to the day been diagnosed a year and what I'm curious to know is have you or do you feel as if you kind of naturally had and have that sort of mindset because I remember when I was diagnosed like when I was growing up I used to always be told you have no control over certain things that happen to you, but what you do control is how you react and respond to things. And I remember thinking when I was diagnosed, that was a test of that mindset. 
you know like it's easy to say ah yeah i've no control over things and when things go to the wall i'll just react and respond very well and i remember thinking when i was diagnosed this is a test to see if i actually live by that and do you feel as if your positive outlook on it and your positive mindset around your diabetes specifically did that kind of come naturally to you or was that something that like me you were kind of grown up with yeah that's an interesting question and by the way like I think I've heard you say that on other podcasts before and it's it's definitely something that's like you know the whole you can't control what happens to you but you can control how you react to it it's definitely just like a really helpful phrase I think to have in your mind because and you know to hear on the podcast because it is it does just summarize everything (laughs) it just does just summarize it in like a really good way but going back to the question um I think I actually was quite surprised and impressed with myself in how positive I was with it and how much I just got on with it because it's not that I hadn't operated that way before and it you know it's not it's not as if I hadn't had that mindset towards other challenges in my life but I don't think it was ever something I really had to think about as you said until diabetes and it yeah you're right it is the ultimate the ultimate test of that so it, it isn't necessarily something I was aware of it's probably something I was doing but after the diabetes, it's been much more of an active, present attitude that I'm actively kind of sticking to. And actually, I think as a result, it's it's made me much more resilient to to other, you know, just other other things that might not be ideal. So if I'm sad about something else, or if I'm putting in some extra hours at work, and I'd really rather be doing something else, but I want to be putting in the extra hours or, you know, whatever it is, you know, I I think I'm more resilient to that because of the test of the diabetes and the the challenge and the, Mm. the kind of everyday. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. hundred (laughs) percent. And you hit the nail on the head there with the word resilience. And it's something that comes up time and time again, specifically even just through this podcast, where people that I speak to and people that come on, and I'm sure people that you have spoken to too, who have diabetes or even another health condition or whatever it may be, it makes you realize that if I can put up with this crap, that means that I can put up with pretty much anything. And even from my own perspective, since being diagnosed and you know the constant every day of having to manage it and dealing with the good and the bad of it it does make you more resilient to things even the simple things like you said if if you need to stay in work for extra hours and you don't particularly want to it's almost like you have an internal conversation with yourself being like well look if i can deal with diabetes crap that, that means that <laughs> i can do these extra hours What do you feel has been the biggest change from a quote-unquote normal life to now living with type 1? So I think the biggest mental change, um, 
and I mean it's an actual change too is before I was diagnosed with diabetes every now and then you know I I worked hard as a student and I you know my degree was quite hard and every now and then I would just schedule in a day where I could just turn off and I didn't have to worry about going to the gym I didn't have to worry about studying any of that I could just eat pizza (laughs) you know eat loads of chocolate and watch tv (laughs) Mm. and um that is hard to say the least um after being diagnosed with diabetes um you can't you can't really ever turn off you can't just forget about your diabetes for a day even if you decided okay i'm going to eat keto for a day but it's still effort to eat keto it's still effort to to, if you're going to eat chocolate and pizza you still have to carb count and it's actually really difficult to do that so it's (laughs) you can't just (laughs) turn off (laughs) (laughs) but exactly like you you can't just turn off for a day um it's a 24 7 job and it's a massive responsibility and leading on from that i think the biggest change in myself is it's matured me a lot you know i'm much more responsible now because i just have to take responsibility for my health every day and that's actually been a really nice change so yeah you've got the negative of you know i just really want to switch off but you've got the positive of you know i prefer i I prefer myself now. I think I'm much more responsible, resilient. And so it's, it's kind of a positive and a negative in, in one. Hmm. Well, look, all credit to you. You know, <laughs> hearing you speak so confidently and positively about your diabetes is amazing to hear because, as I said, you have been only diagnosed one year and your whole mindset around it is is phenomenal. So congrats on my side for that because it's so early into your diagnosis that you have that sort of positive mindset which in itself in my opinion is the most important thing because if you don't have that positive outlook now i mean a realistic positive outlook i don't believe in you know there's there's nothing ever bad (laughs) but having that realistic positive outlook which you clearly have is so important because as you said you don't switch off from diabetes it's that kind of constant Mm -hmm. and if you don't have that constant psychologically as in if you're not switched on in a positive sort of way physically then you take a hit because if i don't feel as if i want to manage my blood sugar or i want to check my blood sugar or take my insulin or all the things that we need to do then I'm a lot less likely to actually do them physically. Yeah. So the fact that you are that way so early on is is amazing to hear, I have to say. Thank you. <laughs> Thank is you. Is there anything that you wish you knew the first day you were diagnosed that you now know now? That you now know now? That you know now. <laughs> <laughs> um... I wish I knew how important it was to actually listen in that meeting, um, you know, that I had at the hospital. Everything turned out okay. But there were definitely some big mistakes I was making in my diabetes management in the early, you know, first week or so that I just feel like they could have gone so much 
more wrong than than they ever did (laughs) so I wish I knew I mean I guess it's an extension of that I just wish I had an appreciation of the gravity of it and um yeah just just a sense of how much it would change my life because maybe maybe I wouldn't have been so shocked when it actually did change my life as much as it has but other than that you know I, I I don't think so necessarily because I think something that's been really nice is just kind of learning everything and learning about myself through the process too. So I I do quite like that I didn't know much about it. I mean, it sounds weird, but it's, it's just been like a nice, not, not, (laughs) it hasn't been nice, (laughs) but it has been nice to kind of see myself go through the challenge and, 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 you know, know that I can adapt in this way. So I, you know, I quite like, I I definitely made it harder for myself than I needed to in not knowing anything about it. But I I quite like that I now know, okay, you've dealt with this massive challenge and, you know, I think I've dealt quite well with it. So yeah. yeah. And come out stronger the other side. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Given all that, that you've, I suppose, learned about yourself and what you're continuing to learn about yourself. Is there any advice specifically that you would offer somebody who has been diagnosed even more recently or who has been diagnosed five or 10 years ago and is still struggling with things? So one thing I would definitely say is be very careful what the the information that you kind of consume relating to diabetes. You know, make sure that everything you're reading, just make sure it's coming from a positive place that is helpful I I think something that I did actually um, maybe it's more fitting to the last question but something I did early on which was a massive mistake was I just read up on diabetes and with that I read up on a lot of the facts and figures and statistics which were very discouraging as someone who was newly diagnosed but they don't really give the full picture you know there's there's so much information out there that's positive and that shows you know how much good diabetes management can can actually improve your prospects and improve improve your health so I think maybe the number one thing I would say to someone that's newly diagnosed is to just make sure you're you're careful with that and you're you're looking at information in terms of um how can this help me going forward? How can this help improve my diabetes management rather than kind of um, go, going into things that, that that don't give the full picture and you don't necessarily need to um, go into at this stage because <laughs> you've got your whole life to learn about diabetes. So definitely just try and keep it positive um, when you're first diagnosed. Mm. And then the second thing I'd say is put your diabetes management before anything else because you know, I, th- I think maybe the worst thing about being diagnosed with diabetes is it happens when you're not ready for it to happen. Um, and your life is still going on underneath it all. So there are going to be a lot of things that there are going to be things that could distract you from your diabetes and make you not really want to give it the attention it deserves. But if you do give it as much attention as it needs, then that is actually what allows you to do everything else that you want to do and to live a life outside of diabetes. So yeah, those are the two things I would say to someone that's, that's newly diagnosed with diabetes or 
going through a rough patch with it or anything like that. I love it. It's fantastic advice and it's even it's it's impressive, but it's even more impressive that you're offering that sort of advice <laughs> after one year. And I know I've said it before, but I'll continue to say it. it's uh, <laughs> it's unreal to hear. Um, and look, you obviously haven't just been diagnosed during a pandemic. You were diagnosed the week before your final exams. You did an internship. You graduated. You moved to London and you're now in your first full time job in an investment bank, which all are very difficult <laughs> things to do. So how did you navigate your way through diabetes and through all of those other things all at the same time? How does I suppose there's two questions in there. And how does your routine or even diabetes management as a whole differ when you're in work compared to if you're at home or during the pandemic? Okay, so firstly, how did I navigate kind of all those life changes? Um, It really goes back to my answer in the last question, which is you do just have to put your diabetes first. So for example, I actually had to defer some of my exams to later on in the year, so like September time. Because as I said, I was diagnosed a week before my first exam and there was just no way realistically that I could sit that exam and get the mark I deserved because I was just so, you know, I was so ill. Um, And you can't be afraid to to put your diabetes first and to advocate for yourself. You know, I had to, I had to, I had to persuade people that I needed to defer the exam. It wasn't just like I, I asked and, and it happened. I had to have conversations. So I think, you know, don't be afraid to advocate for yourself and don't be afraid to put your diabetes first. Um, and that's a very specific example, but I, you know, as I explained in the, the last question, I do think putting your diabetes at the center is what allows you to achieve what you need to achieve, even if it's just in a slightly different way, or you have to take a slightly different route to get there. In terms of how how I'm handling it it at work versus the pandemic, at work, honestly, it hasn't been an issue in that my work are very understanding of, you know, of the fact I have a condition. And I am allowed the time to step away from my desk and just, just, you know, test myself or inject myself. And even if it's, even if I'm low and I just need to kind of, even if I'm doing something important, they understand that this is important. And I do think that's important in the workplace because not everyone understands how serious diabetes is. I certainly didn't before I was diagnosed, but, but yeah, work have been very understanding in terms of how it differs to, you know, earlier on in the pandemic when before I started work and I just I had some time off to get used to the condition. Even though the backdrop of a pandemic has kind of made it more difficult in certain ways, you know, having a less present support network, physically present support network and things like that, it did give me a lot of time to get to grips with my condition, to plan ahead, um, and to just really prioritize it and build my strength back up. Because you can imagine after COVID and diabetes, I wasn't in my best physical no. <laughs> physical shape. I can only imagine. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, 
honestly, you know, the, the lockdowns and everything, they, the positive of those was that they did give me the time to get to grips with everything and to research everything I could. And, you know, I took a Bertie course as well. And I, I treated it like my full-time job. So, you know, I spent a few hours every day reading up on it. I kept a log, not just of my blood sugar levels, but I set myself targets. So, you know, there was one period of time where I was high and I just said, okay, my target is not high, but like I was consistently becoming quite high every day. So I set myself the target of, you know, when I wake up, I want my blood glucose to be under this number uh, 13 out of 20 days, for example. Um, and when I reach that target, I'll readjust. And just kind of thinking about it like that, like goal setting and really, really treating it like a being able to treat it like a full time project almost. Yeah, it was really helpful during the pandemic. Obviously, I don't do that now because I'm at work, but I, sorry, I think, <laughs> I think I've got an alarm uh, going off in the background. Is it okay if I just go and turn that off? Yeah, of course. Go ahead. <laughs> Take your time. Sorry. <laughs> Take your time. We'll let Maya get a, get her alarm turned off. But basically what I'm getting from that is, well, I'll wait till she's back. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, you so, you're back. You're sorted. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so what I was saying was what I'm taking from that and what you've been saying here is because you took such a hands-on approach to, to your diabetes and you're very proactive in relation to how to analyze your blood sugar. And like you said, setting small goals every week or two weeks or whatever it may have been, that obviously worked wonders for you. And that's something that I always preach on this podcast is that I suppose you, you do kind of become your own doctor in a sense mm -hmm. of, of in the way that you have to always be on the ball and doing those little tests that you have done and set yourself targets of I need to be under this range every time I wake up or 13 times out of 20. Those small, realistic and, and achievable goals obviously keep you on track in relation to understanding your bloods but also i suppose just kind of simplify the whole thing and make the size of your diabetes management feel a lot smaller yeah definitely um and i think what you said about realistic goals actually that's super important because everyone given the choice would want a perfect hba1c with no hypos and no highs and just basically normal blood sugar levels but you know it as you said it's about being realistic and looking at where you are now and where you can get to in the space of two weeks or a month and that's not to say that you can't get to you know very good blood sugar control eventually with time but I think it is just the amalgamation of the smaller realistic goals over time, building up to achieving that kind of perfect blood sugar control mm. <laughs> that, that everyone, well, and when I say perfect, obviously perfect is impossible, but 
you know, figuratively speaking. Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're absolutely right. And it will go for most goals that you're setting yourself. Sometimes the end result or the final, the final achievement that we want to see can seem so far away. Mm. And if we use that ideal A1C target that somebody may have, if your A1C target, let's say, is what, 5.5% and your A1C right now is, say, 11, you're not just going to instantly go from 11 to 5. But like you're saying, if you're giving yourself those realistic goals to keep you on track, just time and time and time and time and time and time again, and the accumulation of those smaller goals will eventually hopefully result in you reaching that that a1c yeah so do you have any goals blood sugar wise that you set for yourself now um i think at the moment i'm trying to reduce my hypos a little bit they're not crazy common but they probably are a little bit too common for for what i would like and with that i think um just making sure I'm a bit tighter with my car with my carb counting has been helpful and not you know not reacting to going high because sometimes you go high and you come back down low and you don't need to inject you know if you've injected recently and I think I'm I think I can be slightly reactive so that is a personal goal for me right now is just being a little bit less reactive and trusting if I've carb counted trusting that I've that that figure is correct and in turn reducing the number of hypos I have also testing more regularly because a lot of times I am able to avoid hypos just by you know if I if I think that one might be coming I'll test every just just with my CGM I'll test every 10 minutes and if it's starting to go low lower I might do a finger prick test um and then when that happens if I'm on you know, 4.3 and I was on five, 10 minutes ago. This is just an example, but mm. you know, if I can see that it's trending downwards, I'll, I'll treat myself before I have the hypo and I get to avoid those kind of unpleasant feelings. And it's just, just kind of keeping that, that equilibrium and like knowing myself and stuff. Um, so yeah, I am, that's a personal goal right now, but in general, I think, I'm quite happy with the control I've got right now and I, I'm just trying to maintain it. And <laughs> if anything, maybe, maybe I think now's the time I sort of start to say, look, you've had a really challenging year and you've learned a lot and you just need to have a bit more confidence in yourself now and a bit more confidence in your diabetes management and trust that you're, you know, you're still learning, but you're, you're you've learned a lot as well. <laughs> so you know, just chill out a little bit, you know, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have perfect blood sugar all the time. And yeah, I think it's more of a mental goal really, isn't it? Than a, than a physical diabetes goal is to just kind of learn to separate myself a bit more from the numbers I'm seeing on the screen and from the, the, the management yeah. end of it. And I think you hit, again, you hit the nail on the head there by using the word reacting. And that's something that I always say, uh, it, it's important that you don't react emotionally to your bloods. Mm -hmm. And 
not you, not you specifically, just you in general, <laughs> yeah. anyone, anyone listening, because the most important times for our blood sugar during the day are when they're high and low, because when they are high and when they're low, that's when we can react. That's when we can overtreat a hypo or overtreat a high blood sugar. And sometimes if we react too emotionally to that and we overtreat, we're more inclined then to step onto that diabetes roller coaster where it's up and down and up and down. So if you can practice and get in the habit of not reacting emotionally, what I like to say is I look at my blood sugar like a mirror. And what I mean by that is my blood sugar is always going to react to things that I do or don't do. Mm. And I know that obviously there are 42 confirmed factors that can affect our blood sugar. <laughs> there are things we can control and things we can't control. But for the most part, my blood sugar is going to react to what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. So if I see a high or if I see a low, I always ask myself, why am I seeing a high? Why am I seeing a low? Mm. Because when we understand why something is occurring, we can then either repeat what works well or avoid what doesn't work so well. And having the ability not to react emotionally and double down on insulin or eat way too much food to treat a hypo it gives you more control, I feel. And it's, it's easier to fight those highs and lows. Yeah. One more question for you. You've probably answered it 20 times already, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you again because I always like to finish the podcast with this question. And the question is, if you had the opportunity to thank your diabetes for something, what would that be? I know it's only been a year, but given all the things you've said already, I'm sure there's a lot you can thank it for. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually really like this question and... Um, I think I'm going to touch on something that I'm not sure I've touched on yet. Um, but I think diabetes has actually made me a more considerate and um, like kinder person. So just to explain that briefly, you know, I mentioned that before I was diagnosed, uh, I had no clue how serious diabetes was. And I've sort of learned the hard way uh I've learned the hard way how wrong I was. And I think the shock of that has highlighted to me that there are a lot of health conditions and situations and whatever it is that people can be in that right now, similar to how I was before I was diagnosed with diabetes specifically, there will be other things in life that I am equally ignorant of now, that currently I have, you know, no clue about and no clue how serious it is and how seriously certain things can affect people. So now, going forward, I try and be that person who makes things a little easier for people or is that little bit accommodating that means that they can, they don't have to worry about their health condition or whatever situation it is around me because <laughs> I'm always going to be understanding and I'm always going to try and um, try and make those accommodations for people that make their situations that little bit easier to handle and I do think that is due to the diabetes because that kind of experience of 
seeing that firsthand going from one extreme of being perfectly healthy and fine and whatever to the other of being completely in charge of my own health you know I've seen both sides of it in very quick succession so yeah I do I do think diabetes has influenced that massively love it I have to say I'm blown away by your mindset and thought process around your (laughs) diabetes Um, I have to say I'm very very impressed and I really appreciate you taking the time thanks so much for coming on really enjoyed chatting to you and you should be massively massively proud of yourself with how you have dealt with everything so far and how you continue to deal with it so i wish you all the health happiness and success in your investment banking career and i'll chat to you soon okay thank you thanks for having me on and yeah i mean i think i've mentioned it but if i haven't you know this this podcast has been really helpful for me since i was diagnosed and it is just I will just listen to it if I'm a bit frustrated or whatever with my diabetes or I just want some some advice with it. So, yeah, I just thought I'd say that, like, you know, it's a great podcast and, um, yeah, keep up. <laughs> keep up the great work. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And you can listen back to this episode too. <laughs> Thanks a million, Maya. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Bye. How good was that? I know I said it to her a few times during the podcast, but I'm absolutely blown away by Maya's mindset around her diabetes in such a short space of time, diagnosed just a year, and she speaks about it and manages it as if she's been diabetic for 15 years. And I was chatting to Maya briefly afterwards, and she was saying how she is not going to tell her parents about the podcast. She's just going to play it for them without warning them in advance so if maya's parents are listening right now (laughs) you should be massively proud and be reassured that based off the conversation that i had with her you have nothing to worry about from a diabetic for the most best part of 10 years now your daughter does not have anything to worry about she is an amazing diabetic already so you should be massively proud of her And as I said, (laughs) you don't have anything to worry about. And for the rest of you, I appreciate you listening. As always, I hope you enjoy the podcast. And if it is adding value, I know I say it every time, but if the podcast is adding value to you, please rate it, please review it, share it to your friends, share it to your family. The more diabetics that we reach, the better. That's always the goal of the podcast. As I say before, as, as I have said before, If it's benefit you in any way, it will probably benefit somebody else too. So the more you share, the bigger chance of that happening. And as always, if you do have a story, if you do have a question or anything you want to share with myself or Graham, do not hesitate to reach out. The Insulon Podcast at gmail.com. We love seeing the emails come in. We love seeing the questions come in and the stories too. Until then, have a good day. Have a good week and keep your blood sugar stable as best you can. Chat to you soon. There's the voice crack. I was wondering, I was wondering, was it going to go the whole episode without a voice crack? Obviously not. Have a great day. Chat to you soon.